Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Craig. And I'm Todd. And it's one of our many favorite times of the year. <laughs> it's uh, the Christmas season again. Uh, and we look forward to this every year. Every year we try to find some Christmas movies to bring to you in the month of December. And uh, we're going to continue the tradition this year. This year, we are starting out with the movie that we actually had on the schedule for last year and just didn't really get around to. Uh, I think we just ended up picking something else at the last minute. This week, we are going to be talking about Red Christmas from 2016, written and directed by Craig Anderson. Uh, I think uh, kind of up and coming or, I don't know, just new. <laughs> director. <laughs> I don't know how up and coming he is, but... Depends on how positive you want to be, I suppose, about his, his career. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, he made uh, this film in 2016 on what I hear was just kind of a shoestring budget. We'll talk about, I suppose, how we think his uh, efforts played out, but I, I will say that you know, for for a low budget film that was filmed in Australia, um, it uh, I'll just it, it's worth talking about. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. You know, it is a movie; it does exist. Uh, it did take the efforts of people to put together, and so therefore, yeah, it's worth talking about. Like you know, you baked a cake, and uh, sure. the cake is it may not be the best cake in the world. It may in fact taste awful, but. It's worth at least nibbling at, right? right. You, you gotta it give it to me. Give it a try. <laughs> no, I don't know. Really, you know, I don't think that this is a bad movie. What what attracted me to this movie uh, is Dee Wallace. Dee Wallace is uh, an actress who's been around forever. She was um, really pretty big and mainstream in the. I don't know, maybe even the late 70s, but especially during the 80s. Um, and she was in some big mainstream stuff. Like, she was in uh, The Howling. Uh, I remember her most from my childhood. She was the mom in E.T., and I loved her in E.T. She was so sweet and just such a, a, a cool mom uh, in that movie. And, and so I, I grew up... Uh, really liking her. And, and since then, she has really been working mostly in the horror genre. And she pops up all over the place. Yeah. Uh, anymore, um, she tends to end up kind of in more of these lower budget films. But she, she still does some, you know, bigger stuff too. She's worked with Rob Zombie. And I just really like her. And I will say that though I don't think this is a great movie, I also don't think it's a terrible movie. I really liked her in this. I mean, I just think that she has a presence and she's a good actress. You know, even when given not the best material, she makes the best of it that she can. Um, and I thought she did a good job in this movie. And, and frankly, had she not been in it, I don't know that I would have enjoyed it all that much at all. But because she was in it, <laughs> I, I had a little bit of an emotional investment in her character. So, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Because you have a crush on Dee Wallace uh, that saved the I film. I do kind for of you. have. I have like a. I have like a mom crush on Dee Wallace. I guess like so. I love my mom. I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade my mom. She's. She's great. But you know, if I had to pick a, a new one, Dee Wallace might be on the list. She's cool. You know, we've talked about her before. She was in Cooj. 
Cujo put in an amazing uh, performance there. Yeah. Stephen King. Stephen King has said that uh, of all of his film adaptations, he likes her performance in Cujo the most, which says a lot because there have been a lot of Stephen King adaptations and Mm -hmm. you know you've got Kathy Bates and Misery and Stephen King doesn't like The Shining but you've got Jack Nicholson in The Shining so for him to say that her performance is the fate his favorite you know I think that that says something and I I get it I don't know there's just something about her she's a cool lady well, I'm not going to crap all over D. Wallace in your presence. Better not. <laughs> I, I, I think I agree with you. I think she's fine, and she put put in. You know, she did the best she could with this material. She was a producer on this movie, I guess. Yeah. I'm not sure uh-huh. exactly what that means. If she was, if she Spray coaxed some it money on, behind it, maybe threw some money behind it, or you know, pulled in some favors for the for the this first you sure. know not first time director, but anyway, he's early in his career, hasn't done a whole lot. Looks like he's done some T V maybe in Australia or something like that. But uh I I thought this was a terrible movie. I really um the movie just made me more and more angry the more I watched it. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I just, uh, I didn't think that she was enough to elevate the material. I just thought, oh my God, I just, it was hard for me to get through this. And then when we were done with it, I was just mad. (laughs) Well, you know, I I, I can't say that I'm terribly surprised to hear that you didn't like it, because it's not a great movie. I'm a little bit surprised that you felt so strongly uh, (laughs) uh, about it. Oh, dude. The more it just went on and on and on. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about why. And, right. And and there are things about it that I find to be problematic. And there are things that I feel like I'm going to want to apologize or like give disclaimers to our listeners <laughs> um, about <laughs> well, it. Uh, well, you didn't make the movie, Craig. You don't have to defend it if you don't want to. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's true. That's true. Um, and, and at the same time that, you know, some of the things that some of the choices that the writer slash director made, I don't know. I, I, I find to be a little iffy, but at the same time, it's different. I, I've I'll never, give it that. I'll give it that. Yeah, it's I've, different. I've never seen... Okay, so it's a slasher, and I've seen a million slashers, and in many ways it's you know relatively typical in that way. It also is very reminiscent. Did it remind you of Your Next? Yes, a lot. Yeah, it reminded me of Your Next a lot. But not, not nearly in a good as way. good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not nearly as good. I actually quite enjoyed that movie uh but it it follows a a similar structure in that it's a family coming together for the holidays and being besieged by this menacing presence who then starts to kind of pick them off uh one by one menacing presence but the the in- I don't know if you call it interesting. Yeah, I don't know if you call it interesting or unique or what you call it, but it, there's a twist on this one in that the opening scene opens up in an abortion clinic, and it's shot in such a way that you really kind of only see people's legs and arms, like not identifiable features of people but it's shot in this abortion clinic and you see um somebody walking into the abortion clinic carrying this i don't know suitcase briefcase something and eventually we find out and and witness that this is a bombing 
um, somebody protesting this abortion clinic has brought a bomb into the abortion clinic and it goes off and there's mass chaos and people are running around and trying to get out. Then we see the what turns out to be the bomber walking around the remains of the clinic and from out of a bucket, <laughs> like, <laughs> gosh... You know, I want to be sensitive. I, <laughs> I I have, you know, I'll just put it out there. I'm pro-choice, you know, whatever. I think a woman should be able to do with her body what she chooses to do. But wherever your stance falls um, on the issue of abortion, I, I can't imagine that they really are disposing of fetuses in buckets. Yeah. A bucket that gets kicked into the corner. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I guess what? This was supposed to be probably the late 60s, early 70s, I guess. Supposedly. Yeah, I don't know. Sometime sometime in the 70s, I suppose. So you're saying it's the guy who bombed it is the one who pulled this. So close-ups on the bucket. And, you're boy, you're going to get a ton of close-ups in this movie because the movie yeah. is just filled with close-ups. The whole movie is close-ups. Yeah. That's one of my biggest criticisms, actually. The movies, you can't tell what the hell's going on from time to time. That's because true. the camera is just zoomed in on everything. And it's got these weird angles that are upturned. Uh, and so it's every... The camera's below waist level, pretty pretty much for most of the movie pointed up at people focused in so tightly that uh and whipping around and all this stuff i I couldn't tell what was going on and so you're saying it was the bomber who saw this little little red hand come up over the corner of this bucket and uh, picked it up and 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 went with it yeah yeah it is now i've uh, to be fair i've seen this movie twice now this is the second time i've seen it i don't remember if i picked up on that the first time but i am certain that that is the case because the fetus <laughs> mentions it later so yeah so this bomber takes this fetus and then we see like you said it is it's 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 hard to tell what's going on and it's so much of the movie is shot in these very specific color tones Ugh. a lot of red and and quite a bit of green mostly red but you know Throw in the red and green for Christmas. Yeah, and why? You know, that's the other thing I I couldn't get. I mean, at one point in the movie, the I mean, we're going to jump around. That's fine. But at that's one point fine. in the movie, yeah. the power goes out, and that's when we especially are getting it's, it's 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 from the natural light. Now we're getting into reds and greens, and I'm thinking, okay, this is really stark red and green. It's like we're in a submarine or something. Like I mm-hmm. think in the Hunt for Red October, when the power goes out or whatever, everything kind of turns red and green and you you kind of imagine okay let's like emergency lights or the glow of computer screens or something like that mixing together but i don't know i don't know where this light was coming from and then when the power comes right back on just a few minutes later it's the same way the lights in the house don't come on nobody turns on a damn light you know i mean (laughs) it's just this crazy red and green and we're not just talking like highlights we're talking the whole screen is red yeah yeah. Uh, again, like like you're in some submarine movie, and they're sitting there hunched down, waiting for the other sub to go by. You know, it's what it feels right. like. <laughs> yeah, and, and I guess it. I guess that was a stylistic choice. And oh I mean, it's God. it's it's kind of. 
I don't know. I mean, I guess it's kind of interesting to look at. Uh, I don't know. You know, I wasn't a big fan of it either. And the other thing, when it's not lit in red and green, especially in those later scenes that you're talking about when all of the action starts taking place, there are times when it is so dark that I I literally couldn't see what yeah. was happening. Like, it's true. I, Like, I could maybe see a little bit of highlight, like, in the middle of the screen, but I still couldn't tell what was going on. And I'm watching it on a computer screen during the day, so, you know, maybe if you were in the theater, maybe if it was at night, or or you were sitting and watching it in a dark room, that would be different. But, yeah, that stuff bothered me, too. Anyway, so after the abortion clinic scene, then we just get, like, I don't know, maybe a minute of seeing what appears to be this fetus being raised in some crazy hyper religious but not really religious just like insane way like he's he's chained up and he's and again mm. like you said you can see so little that you just kind of have to piece things together not in a good way either it just feels lazy to me well, see, and I wonder how much that had to do with budget. Now, I, I know that it was a really super low budget, and in, and in fact, I read that there's a documentary about the making of this movie, and I don't remember what it was called, but it's it's something about – it's about making a super low budget movie. Like, how do you go about doing that? Mm-hmm. And I wish that I had known about it before yesterday because I, I, I would have asked you to find it because I would have actually been interested in, in kind of seeing some of the behind the scenes stuff here. I don't know how much of it is due to budgetary constraints. Really, you know, when things are shot in full light, they look pretty good. They do. I thought. In full light, it looks fine. In fact, in full light, it's quite competent except for the zooming and things, you know, the, some of these camera angles and whatnot. But even at that point, you know, when it is out in bright light, for whatever reason, that's not as intense. In fact, now that I think about it, you know, a lot of the movie seems pretty normal yeah. until stuff starts going down uh, and it turns evening. And that's when maybe he decided that we could create a lot more tension and whatever by whipping out these camera angles and this crazy red and green color scheme that I felt was so oh, I just it just muddied everything for me. I couldn't tell what was going on half the me time. Too. I really I, I, there were times in this movie where I had to rewind just because I saw that something shocking or whatever happened, but I couldn't even tell what it was. I couldn't get the detail. <sighs> Let, let's let's breeze through really quick uh, through the plot because uh, we got to talk about it as a whole. I think in in some ways. Right. Okay. So we the fetus gets raised or whatever, and then it cuts to twenty years later, and we meet up with uh, this family. Uh, on this beautiful, gorgeous estate, like this countryside estate in Australia. And another problem that I had with the family is that most of them are so unlikable that I just didn't care. Like, just die already. Now, (laughs) Now, the mom, Dee Wallace, is nice and normal, and she seems to be trying to bring her asshole family together to be nice to one another, for the holidays and then there's a guy who they call uncle joe but like i didn't really get a sense of who he was like Mm. i couldn't tell if he really was their uncle or if he was like the mom's boyfriend could did you know i thought he was the mom's boyfriend almost the whole time 
I mean, it's not like they were supremely affectionate with each other at any point where it makes it clear, but that's how I felt anyway. Or maybe yeah, it's just me the too. age. I don't know. I don't know. But they anyway, they call him Uncle Joe, but I thought he was the mom's boyfriend. Whatever. He's nice too. He's like this kind of older, pot-smoking, hippie kind of guy, but he's just chill and cool. Straight shooter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the mom, by the way, Dee Wallace, her name is Diane. And then she's got all these kids. There's Jenny who is kind of the waspy one, and she's, like, nine months pregnant. And she has a boyfriend who happens to be black, which I only mention because they kind of make an issue of it. And his name is Scott. Then there's Hope, who is the youngest daughter, and she's, like, a hippie artist. And, (laughs) you know, I'm all about colorblind casting, but these kids all look so different. I'm like, did they all have different dads? Like, I... I thought Hope was maybe adopted or something. That I I don't know. You just have maybe. To, yeah, there's nothing that says she is. That was the only thing I could think about. And the fact that she had to actively wonder about this, well, along with the fact that this is taking place in Australia, I guess. Yeah, it is. And it seems like some of the kids maybe grew up in Australia, but Dee Wallace doesn't have an Australian accent at all. Like, <laughs> No, half of them don't. It doesn't... Yeah. <laughs> It's also well, bizarre. Some of them have British accents, don't they? Yeah, like, or not, or just like total straight American accents. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's very hodgepodge. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it was weird. Again, I felt kind of lazy. Like they didn't even try to explain that either. Yeah, I don't know. And then, and then there's Susie, and she's like the prude sister. Uh, I, I, I got the sense that she was the oldest, and it turns out like she's trying to have a baby, but she can't, and 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 her husband i guess is um peter Peter. who is some sort of minister though it's never really you know said what denomination he is or whatever i guess it doesn't matter um he's also clearly gay which they make like a huge point out of but it goes nowhere yeah i know (laughs) like he's just constantly like obviously staring at the other guy's butts and stuff. And, mm-hmm. like, people, like, catch him in it and call him on it. But it doesn't go anywhere. Like, that was so weird. And he's also painted... And I think that this... Maybe what kind of made me mad about this movie, too. Not that, not that this sort of thing necessarily offends me, but I think it just starts to feel offensive when you feel like you're being preach to or the whole time i'm thinking is this a pro-life movie and i don't know i'm sure it's impossible to make a movie with the topic of abortion and not have this question thrown at you and not have to do this tap dance now keep in mind we've watched one other movie about abortion the suckling yeah which absolutely had clearly no political thing <laughs> no. or whatever because it was so schlocky and tasteless quite frankly this movie you know from the beginning with the abortion rights protesters and abortion bombing more than once in the film the topic of children and child rearing and stuff comes up this woman who can't have the child um this woman this mother who you know we find out d wallace's character you know was the woman in the abortion clinic big surprise it's not a big spoiler like you see it coming from the first 10 minutes yeah but then you know they're even in the character of peter okay so they don't make him perfect but he's so bland yeah and not only is he bland but he's just bland in this uh, how do i put it there there, there's just no interesting character development like no but but then he's like he comes across as this really really kind of nice 
pastor, I guess, who's extremely tolerant of the shenanigans that are going on around him, and they're throwing the stuff in your face. Like, somebody offers him a joint, you know, which he refuses, yeah. but he doesn't condemn anybody for it. Right. You know, his wife seems to be a little more prudish than even he is, or at least he, yeah. you know, he kind of jumps to other people's defense a little bit. And so it's like, it feels like maybe they're going over the top to try to... Again, if this fits in with a grander political point, it feels like the producer, of the, the director of this movie is really going out of their way to paint this guy as a good, wholesome role model who gets caught up in this, but is also cool. So please don't judge him as a crazy Christian. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I get what you're saying, but I don't know. Like his his character is just so muddy because like at the same time that he kind of has this pious attitude, like he is all the time leering at the other guys and he yeah. at one point he like it's just so weird. Like he follows his sister and her boyfriend or husband or whatever and watches them having sex and then goes and jerks off in a closet like yeah. <laughs> a closet which by the gross. way when when did you notice the extreme close up on the coat hanger outside of the closet when he was no. in there oh my gosh <laughs> i was like really <laughs> I mean, I, 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 you know, I get it if he's like a latent homosexual and like, you know, he gets stimulated by the sight of a guy's bare ass. But that's your sister. Gross. Like, <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess it's not his sister. I no. guess it would be his sister-in-law. Okay, fine. Maybe that's a little bit less gross. Well, um, anyway. But not that much. He's just kind of a... Maybe that's know. why I'm just having such a hard time expressing my feelings about this because I don't... Nothing is clear to me. Yeah. And and then there's there's one other kid that it's important we mention whose name is Jerry, uh, and he has Down syndrome, which ends up being significant later in the film. Um, and kudos for, for casting uh, an actor, a differently abled actor in, in this role. I mean, I don't know how else you would get away with it. It would be pretty politically incorrect to have somebody portray it who really wasn't but <laughs> yeah right but you know again great i i i'm happy for inclusive casting um so anyway so they're all together and like it's typical family stuff except they're all kind of assholes and they like fight and and not just like throw barbs at one another as you do when you get together with your family for the holidays but like especially the two sisters Susie and Jenny like just freaking throw down yeah like it, several times it seems like they absolutely <laughs> hate each other's guts you know <laughs> and then <laughs> like they full out fight <laughs> and then hope the youngest one seems completely disinterested in anybody and everybody like she's completely yeah. dismissive of the whole family, which made me wonder, like, if she was adopted, you know, or what what the deal was there. Who knows? Anyway, the the action starts when this shrouded figure uh, comes traipsing through the countryside, and at first he stops. I don't know, at just some rando guy's house asking for directions, and he talks. I don't want to say talks funny because that sounds derogatory, but he talks in an interesting way and another issue that i have with this movie is that i feel like at the same time that they want us to sympathize with the murderer he's still just a crazy murderer yeah. like like he shows up at this guy's house and and he just asks for help 
you know, he sa- he says, I'm looking for my mom. Can you help me find my mom's house? And, and like, he talks strange, and he's dressed very strange. Like, he's completely enshrouded, you know, in, in this cape and, like, these bandages and stuff. And... My name is Peters. I'm looking for mother's house. You get the hell off of my property now. I'm lost. Mate, I don't give a shit. You get the fucking hell out of here, you little freak. Please. Fuck out of here. This guy, you know, this backwoods Australian guy is super mean to him and, like, pushes him down and then pees on him and when when the mean guy pees on him he grabs his dick and tears it off and then kills him yeah and and there's lots of gore the gore effects are are good when you can see them if it's not super super dark and and the kills are gory to to the point of being silly really but you know whatever they were going all out and that's great um anyway eventually the family is going to exchange gifts and the mom tries to do this thing where let's go around and say what we're thankful for this year and it really all just kind of blows up in her face because they're all jerks and um uh, cletus knocks on the door and the mom being a nice lovely lady uh invites him in and he has this letter, and he keeps saying, I want to read this letter to my mom. And they keep kind of, you know, distracting him, blowing him off. And, like, he doesn't know what presents are. And so D. Wallace, real quick, runs into the kitchen and wraps up something for him. And Oh, my gosh. This whole bit about I, presents? What are presents? I kind of want to throw something at the screen. I don't care how weird your upbringing was. I don't care. You're a functioning adult to a certain extent. You don't get this far in life without knowing something simple like what presents are. So I thought, is he pretending he doesn't know what presents are? And then the preacher guy opens his mouth and says, Cletus, uh, do you remember the Gospel of Matthew where the three wise men go and visit the newborn Lord? Yes, the new guides. Excuse me? (laughs) It's African-American. Actually, the, the Magi were um, uh, from different regions around Israel. They, they weren't American. Yes, uh, the Negroids. Can you please stop saying that? Well, the, the Magi brought with them gifts. Gold, frankincense and myrrh. And we give each other gifts at Christmas in the tradition of the three wise men. Because it's also fun. It kind of like seemed juvenile to me. I, like, I couldn't believe I was watching this. I get what you're saying. I think what they were trying to establish was that he's just really messed up because of his upbringing. And sure. Honestly, like, I I did feel bad for him. Even when he was going around killing everybody, I felt bad for him because, really, he totally gets the shaft. I mean, it's... Okay, so yeah. eventually... He's like, I want to read this letter, and they're all kind of rolling their eyes and trying to get him not to do it, but he does. And the letter says, My father believed in vengeance, but I believe in love. I'm writing to inform you of an extraordinary occurrence, an event which is impossible for you to know anything about. Uh, 20 years have passed since I entered the world in such heroic circumstances. With my father's passing, I have left his care and gone in search of my family. And you can see, and again, I'm going to give her 
I don't care what you say. I'm going to give her credit for performance because you see on D. Wallace's face the realization of what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, And eventually she reacts and she, you know, lashes out and and yells at him and tells him to stop because she knows what he's talking about. Nobody else does, um, but she does. And she screams, you know, when he continues on and it's clear what he's talking about the abortion she freaks out and she insists that the men of the house throw him out which they do literally like they drag him out the door and throw him off the porch onto the ground and again as you might because he's just some creepy gross guy who smells like pee who showed up at your house on christmas and you don't know who he is or have anything to do with him like yeah get him out of there but at the same time i'm thinking god this poor guy yeah (laughs) i have to admit at this point, I felt similarly. I felt like, okay, maybe this movie's going to turn me around a little bit because this is a bit heart-wrenching. But then I started to feel like my emotions are just being manipulated. Like, yeah. it was just a little too heart-wrenching, and they were just a little too mean to him. Like, they throw yeah. the jar. You know, they'd given him this gift, uh, which was a jar of peanuts because the youngest girl can't have peanuts in the house, and somebody screwed up. So they give him this jar of peanuts, and then they throw the jar of peanuts at him as they leave, which hits him on the head. And the mom's just supremely nasty to him, even though, I mean, it's clear that mom recognizes who he is. Right? I mean, there's yeah, no well, or, I don't know that at this point she recognizes. I don't know that at this point she recognizes who he is. Maybe she does, but she certainly knows. It seems like at this point she thinks that it's a really, really mean prank. Mm. That you know, it's and, and she even says that you know, it's it's some pro-lifers with access to files and a phone book. Mm-hmm. So you know, she thinks that somebody has dug up these files and saw that she was there on that day and that they're coming and and pulling this terrible prank as some sort of protest, which is far more logical than the truth of the matter, which she eventually realizes. That's true. That's a very good point. I mean, there's no way. Let's let's put it this way. I don't know if anybody understands how abortions work. I mean, I'm no expert in it, but I do know for a fact that they don't pull fetuses out fully whole. You know, it just just doesn't happen. (laughs) No. This could never happen. You're right. Okay, so then they try to go on with their holiday, and they do, and again, like, you know, it's fun for a little while, and then they're fighting, blah, 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 and and we see Cletus out in the woods, and at first he's weeping, and seriously, it did, it really did pull at my heartstrings. I felt so bad for him, like, he was, he's outcast, he's, we find out later, I mean, we already know because the 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 first guy that he killed ca- caught a glimpse of him and commented on how hideous he was. So we know that he's disfigured. We get to see him for a fleeting second in the final act. But he's outcast. He's horribly disfigured. He's alone in the world. And here he is out in the woods weeping while this family is celebrating, you know, a couple hundred yards away. It made me feel bad. But then they just go ahead and just make him full tilt crazy. Like, he gets really angry, and he comes back, and he starts picking them off one by one. The first one that he gets, you know, Hope just, they all go outside to watch the sunset, or some of them do. But then the two sisters who are always fighting get into a huge fight in the kitchen, and so everybody else goes inside except for Hope. And she's just kind of looking around the backyard when she gets completely split down the middle. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) From head to 
crotch with an axe. Which is so improbable. Like, I'm all about creative kills. I think this stuff is great, but come on. This guy with this little axe, nobody cannot split someone no. from head to crotch in the middle. Even if you were strong enough, even if you could move your axe fast enough, even if it were sharp enough, there's no way. The physics wouldn't allow it. It's The, the blade isn't even wide enough to I, cut I was going to say the blade would have to be like a foot and a half <laughs> We'd be long, like and it's the, not. Pitting the pendulum type stuff right here, and this is right. totally not. So I groaned at that, and I thought, oh my god, is this what we're in for? And yes, it actually yeah. is what uh-huh. we're in for. There was a lot more of this improbable, crazy stuff. And I hate this, man. I really do. I, 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 I just have to say, part of the fun of a horror movie is the creative kills. And the creative kills are what we all kind of judge a movie on. It's kind of part of the reason we watch them, right? Especially slashers, of, I would say. Of course, right? So that that on its face is good. But you've got to make it at least a little bit believable. Yeah. You can't play so much with it that it ju- you just... Uh, it's lazy. Lazy. <laughs> lazy. <laughs> Sorry. And so I lost so much respect for this movie at that I point. I don't know. I thought, you know, it, it, totally implausible and, and ridiculous. But, you know, the sight of, you know, and again, everything's in close-up. So you just see like a close-up of her legs fall apart in opposite directions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was kind of funny. I the, it, if anything, that was really one of my favorite kills. The the they only get more ridiculous from there, really, yeah, or at least true. a couple of them. But but that's that's kind of it. Like immediately, then the family discovers her, and they pretty much figure out what's going on from the beginning. That that crazy guy has come back and is after them. And then it's just very cat and mouse, you know, them running around the house, Cletus cuts off the power, and at some point... Let me sum all this up for everybody. Everybody wanders around doing really stupid things. Pretty much. Completely unmotivated, completely implausible stuff. They all end up in a garage or shed. I don't know, because I couldn't really tell, because this is how this movie is. You really don't get a good idea of the geography of the place, or where anybody is at any time, because you can only see their faces or you know shot from these extreme close-up angles and the camera insists on bouncing around like it's being held by by that guy (laughs) Mm -hmm. and 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 so you can't ever tell but they all end up like in this garage and and there's only one way into the garage they even say there's only one way into the garage and she decides well i want to go back to the house to get the keys so i can bring the car around like no and there are about five different times when they all find themselves and they've already called the cops they have (laughs) like the cops are on their way they've all got cell phones the cops are on their way they've all got cell phones but in the movie doesn't even make any good excuse this is what made it a little different from your next. In your next, there was some of this going on, but there was usually a kind of an excuse why somebody would wander out or, or there's a motivation for it. In this case, mm-hmm. it's just somebody decides, uh, I got to secure the downstairs. And so they yeah. just go. There are super stupid character motivations. Like the pregnant girl's boyfriend is, I don't know, maybe the next one, the second or third. I don't know. They all get killed eventually. <laughs> but he gets killed. And then for the next 20 minutes, she keeps like 
calling for him and saying, I need him, I need him. And they keep saying, like, he's dead. <laughs> and, but like that's how... Like, that's how they end up getting out of the shed. Like, she escapes. Like, she's going to go find him, and then they all have to chase her back into the house. Yes. Um, and then they end up upstairs in a bedroom. Again, they're all together in a bedroom upstairs, and the guy's not there. And then we see this camera, this footage of a guy crawling up the trellis. At least that's what it seemed to be. The trellis is moving. He's climbing up, I think. And she yeah. leans out the, the top and sees that he's climbing up. And so she tells the kid to lock the window. And she says, I'm going to go outside and go around and cut the trellis down. Yeah, this is the mom. The yeah, it mom. didn't make any sense. Uh huh. In the meantime, she hands a cell phone to the preacher guy and says, I've, like, I guess she's gathered up everybody's cell phones, and she Everybody says... Everybody who's dead, because her Uncle Joe is dead at this point, and okay. the pregnant girl's boyfriend is dead. So the, the dead people, she's got their cell phones, and, like, this is her plan. She's like, I'm going to hide them around the house and call them every 30 seconds as a distraction. But she even says, call mine, too, and... Uh, she goes out and she starts trying to tear down the trellis that he was supposedly just on. Yeah, like, where did he go? What? She doesn't. She doesn't. She look up. She just very nonchalantly starts to pry away at this trellis. Is he there or not? And if he is, he's right above you. Yeah, and and then and then the preacher guy does call her phone, and she acts super surprised and freaked <laughs> out, <laughs> even though she told him to call it. Yeah, and like and so she. First of all, she's already hidden these other cell phones kind of around the house. Then she takes her cell phone and, like, throws it out in the yard. Don't you think you might need that later, <laughs> maybe? Stupid. <laughs> and what does she think? What does she think this guy's going to do? He's going to run around and try to answer all these cell phones? Like, <laughs> <what the> <laughs> it made no sense. And nothing ever even comes of it. Like, you think, okay, this is really stupid, but they must be setting this for some kind of payoff or whatever. No. That's no. the last we see of these cell phones as well. Yeah. The, you know, the only thing that – at some point, the pregnant sister trips and falls down and, like, goes into labor. So they're dealing with that too. The only thing that I will say that I enjoyed about this whole middle part of the movie is that uh, D. Wallace's character, Diane, really takes – charge she's she's not this frail you know mother in distress in fact she's the only one with any kind of sense at all even if some of her plans like the whole cell phone plan even if that ultimately is pretty stupid at least she's doing something everybody else is just kind of like ah what do we do although arguably they don't really need to do anything except hold themselves up in a room and call the police True, which they agreed. did but yeah i know what well, you mean well and 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 to be fair you know when they were all in the shed uncle joe said we're all here there's only one entrance we've got a shotgun um but she wanted to get out of there anyway you know she's pretty badass and she's taking things into her own hands eventually she finds I, and I think it's right after she was trying to tear down the trellis. She finds this chain hanging on a window. And this, you know, it's such clunky writing. It's so stupid. But she finds this change and this chain. And it's like this, <gasps> oh, no moment. And then uh, Peter, the preacher guy, is with her. And she tells him the whole story. 
And it's, you know, it's what we already know and have already figured out, but she lays it out for us. I didn't have a miscarriage, Peter. The baby had Down syndrome. The baby? Bob was in chemo, and we didn't know if he was going to make it. I just couldn't do it again. It's not after Jerry. So you aborted? I went up north to the city. Which, you know, again, it it glosses over it. Like, you know, that's a serious issue. You know, that's a serious choice that that women have to make, you know, Mm -hmm. and... And I don't know, you know, I, I like you said, I can't tell. I can't tell if there's a pro-life agenda here. It, it kind of seems like there is. It sure seems like all all <laughs> all signs point to it, especially this aspect. You know, it it glosses over it so much that it's almost irresponsible. The whole movie seems geared towards she's get she's getting what's coming to her because right, she she's made being this punished. decision. Yeah, and right. That's, she's being punished for that choice, and that's like. I, I understand that I have, you know, very liberal political viewpoints, but that's not fair. You know, yeah, like that was I a agree. very she she had to make that choice and it was a tough choice to make, but it's a choice that women are really faced with and she was in a very difficult situation. Mm-hmm. And it would be very difficult for her to deal with her husband's terminal illness and two children with developmental disabilities. And so she made the choice. Yeah. But anyway, uh, that's what it comes. So she confesses this to the priest, and she says, "Please don't tell anybody else." And he's like, "Oh, of course, of course, I won't." And then the scary guy chases them around more. <laughs> <laughs> the priest gets it in the kitchen with a um, on a. And again, I couldn't tell what the heck was going on, but I guess somewhere along the line, a blender without its cup in it. It gets, gets the, turned the, the, on. Yeah, it gets broken. Well, before he gets killed, and his death by blender, I actually thought was kind of cool. Like it's cool from an effect standpoint. They're fighting. Yeah. He he and Ke- he and Cletus were fighting, and the like you said, like the the bowl or the cup or whatever of the blender gets broken, so the blade is exposed, and the Cletus puts the back of the preacher's head down on the blade, and we can just see him from the front, so we see his face, and we can hear the blending, and eventually we see like blood like blending within and behind his eyeballs. It was kind of a neat effect. It was a neat I effect. It was kind of yeah, cool. no, it was. I just couldn't tell what was going on until it happened and But before that, before that, he, the priest had been being attacked by Cletus and like Cletus like drags him across the floor and in his fear, the preacher starts uh reciting the Lord's prayer and oh. Cletus at the end of it starts saying it with him so the priest or preacher whatever he is says oh do you pray will you do you want to pray with me and they sit down and they pray together and the priest now to be fair he doesn't know that jerry is listening but jerry is listening and the preacher does this whole prayer like lord we know it was your plan for cletus to be born different with down syndrome and other gifts that people may misunderstand. We know it was a sin for Diane to try and abort him, but Lord, you kept him alive. And you brought him here today. And Jerry hears all of this. Again, like the like Cletus is praying with him and the 
preacher at the end says, do you have anything that you would like to say? And Cletus just says, I'm sorry. At which point, the preacher grabs a huge knife and stabs him. And it's just these moments like, yeah, this guy is a brutal killer. He's totally messed up. But in these moments, I just felt so bad for him. Like, Yeah. Again, I felt like my my emotions were being manipulated, and I don't know. You know, I mean, of course, what what do you? I'm not saying that that they shouldn't make me feel bad for him, but I just felt like it was a little over the top and a little unrealistic. And this preacher, and you know, to be fair, if we're going to talk about the political motivations of the film being quite, they are a bit muddied here by the fact that the preacher does kill him. Or tries to kill him, I should tries say. Tries to, yeah. You yeah. know, and that's um, interesting. Like, you would sort of imagine that this guy, if he is so pro-life, he would try to save this guy. You right, know, And right. not try to kill him. So, you know, there's that aspect to it as well. Although he's seen him kill other people, so there's right. that part of it too. But at this point... This guy's down, and this guy should be easy to beat. Yeah, yeah. You can get him down on the ground praying, and at any point in this, I th- I thought any one of the other characters could have come into the kitchen and offed him. He's shrouded head to toe in this getup, and then he's wrapped in bandages completely. His face is so completely wrapped in bandages, there's like, like I couldn't even tell how he could see. Well, and he says, he says when he first came in that, like, they ask him about, they're like, can we take your cloak? And he's like, no, it keeps my skin on. Like, if he's really, (laughs) if he's really in that bad of shape, how hard could it be? Yeah, and then how can this guy be this, he's kind of the magical killer in this, where he isn't there, and then suddenly he's there. How can this guy be so effective when he is so hobbled, either A, by his physical state or b by what he's all wrapped up in i mean i'm sorry but i've walked around in a halloween mask you know with eye holes bigger than this guy had and you can't see crap yeah so how is he so effective at this and the whole movie just has no suspense because of the way it's shot like i said it's very disorienting and not in a good way you just don't know what's happening you don't know where anybody is and you never get these like stalking shots of the killer there's never a moment where there's there's a pause and you and you you know he's around the corner but they don't know he's around the corner there's none of this suspense that is almost just essential to any kind of slasher movie it's just these characters running around doing dumb things and then one of them gets killed yeah i get and the more that we're talking about it i i i guess the more problematic i'm finding it because we skipped over a part it's really not essential but um there's one part where diane and cletus end up face to face outside the house and uh, Cletus just keeps saying to her, do you love me? Do you love me? And like, like she's trying to pacify him for a while, but ultimately, you know, she just makes her move and runs away or whatever. Um, and there's just a, I don't know, like in hindsight, thinking about it, there's just kind of a weird disconnect because she loves Jerry so much Now, granted, this guy, Cletus, has shown up and killed a bunch of her family, but you would almost just think that there would be some some dynamic where she would feel guilty Guilty. or she would feel some sort of maternal 
instinct because yes he's he's violent and he's killed people but in these moments he also presents himself as being very vulnerable and it almost seems like yeah she takes the opportunity to pacify him for a moment why don't you just pacify him indefinitely you know like (laughs) right just tell the guy you love him be nice to him let the cops show up and then they can take him away like and she and, and she engenders no sympathy because of that yeah yeah. yeah. Just like you said, it's hard to like any of these characters. And I agree. I, I get it. You know, she he's killed a bunch of her family. Uh, eventually, okay, so Jerry heard why Cletus was aborted. And so he confronts his mother, and he's very angry. And he says, you don't love me, and you would have aborted me. Um, and she, you know, she tries to explain what I've already said about the rationale. The dad was sick. She just couldn't handle it. And she assures him that, you know, she loves him and they were happy to have him. But he goes off and then he and Cletus come face to face and he gives Cletus his Santa hat that he's been wearing the whole time. Mom comes back around. She sees somebody sitting, but she only sees the top of his head, like from behind the couch, wearing the Santa hat, and she thinks it's Jerry. And she says, I love you. I love you. I always loved you. I wanted you. We just couldn't handle another baby um, at that time. And so then she goes around the corner thinking that she knows where Jerry is, and she rounds the corner with her shotgun, and she hears, Mom, and she shoots, and it's Jerry, and she has killed Jerry. Yeah. And and she, you know, she freaks out, of course. Um, and it's sad. It's a good performance. You know, she's weeping and saying how much she loves him and, oh, my baby, my baby, etc. Meanwhile, Jenny is giving birth <laughs> upstairs. <laughs> I know this. I'm sorry. That part made me laugh, too. I was like, yeah, I saw this coming a mile away as well. Yeah. <laughs> right in the heat of the moment. She's going to have the baby now. <laughs> yeah, and the sister who she hates has to deliver the baby, and they do. But not without fighting. <laughs> yeah, right. And then the sister, Susie, is like, I'm going to go downstairs and kill that guy. And she oh. runs downstairs and immediately gets an umbrella through the head. Umbrella through the head, yeah. Another creative and totally implausible kill. I know. And the umbre- like the umbrella goes through her head and then it opens, opens on the other up. side like hard and hard. Like okay, that's <laughs> clever. Good job. Um and then the baby's upstairs crying, which Cletus takes notice of and the mom is trying to distract him. We totally skipped over a part where a sheriff showed up and got killed with a giant bear trap to the head. That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> this is this was another instance of where this guy is in so many different places. He's just wherever he needs to be to get the job yeah. done. Like, is he at the house killing somebody? And then 10 seconds later, he's, you know, 100 feet away from the house uh, confronting yeah. the sheriff, sneaking yeah. up behind him, I guess, with a bear trap in his hand. I don't know. Diane, the mom, tries to distract Cletus away from the sound of the crying baby by saying horrible things to him like I never wanted you I hate you and um she ends up tripping and like <laughs> getting knocked out by the grass on the ground I guess <laughs> and Cletus uh goes upstairs and Jenny tries to hide with the baby um but oh. he fi- he finds them and he kills Jenny but then the mom shows up and she I didn't even really understand what happened here. Like it like did she try to tackle him out the window? Is that what know. happened? Somehow she had a an anchor around her or something. 
with a chain. With yeah. a chain. And so she came in and she tried to swing the anchor into him. But then she ended up, I thought it was like a flying leap out the window. Like she did it intentionally. That's what it looked like. Like to drag him out. But of course it right. hung they her. They both ended up going out. Yeah. They both ended up going out the window and she her neck got wrapped up in the chain so she gets hung in the chain and i guess he died from the two-story fall after having been through all this through the whole movie and his whole life i don't know and and then you hear sirens and see flashing police lights and it does this thing where it goes and does extreme close-ups on like very specific body parts of all the dead people like here's their ankles Here's their hands. But just to remind us that everybody's dead. Yeah. And then the last shot is on the baby. And so the the only one who survives all this is the baby, which, again, brings it back to that weird kind of pro-life thing, which I don't... I don't know if there was an agenda here, like, oh, you know, this all started with the attempted murder of a baby, and now now the only one who survives is the baby. Yeah. If if there's a message here, I don't really get it, and I think that maybe this was not the right forum. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. I think that's one of the grave sins of the film is it's so muddy you you can't even tell. Okay, if there's a message there, fine. I, you know, I'm not going to deny somebody they they want to put some message or some theme into their movie, but at least make it clear. Right? Or don't tell me yeah. you, you have no message or no agenda when it seems to me pretty clear like you've stuck, you've put enough in there to lay enough red herrings that again, if there is nothing in there, what are you trying to do? You're trying to make us think? Are you trying to give us things to ponder? Because right. there isn't is, anything. <laughs> is there some moral here? Like, if, if there's supposed to be some moral, it's really muddy because they all would have been really better off if that abortion had been successful. In the yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, ult- you know, ultimately, I, I still, after all is said and done, I still felt bad for Cletus. I mean, the whole time he's just begging, like to the very last second, he's begging her, just tell me you love me. Just tell me you love me. Like this poor guy just wants to be loved by his mother, um, which is not at all an uncommon trope and horror but i well i felt bad for cletus up to the point where i realized he wasn't even a character no you no. know he's he's, he's completely implausible he's a superhuman yeah. weird freak who is alternately um, very vulnerable and completely unstoppable and able to cleave a person in a single blow and punch a an umbrella through their skull you know uh, mm-hmm. at, at that point i threw up my hands and i stopped caring yeah and and that's fair you know i'm not surprised i i can't say i'm surprised you didn't like it this is one of those movies i talk about my partner on here every so often and he, he really really doesn't like horror movies but he's a pretty good guy and he'll watch them with me sometimes especially like seasonal stuff like this like all through october he'll watch horror movies with me to indulge me and at christmas time if i can come up with christmas horror movies he'll watch them with me and i made him watch this one and he thought it was totally stupid too and and so i (laughs) i get why uh i get why you don't like it i i didn't think it was terrible it's it's certainly not good but it's watchable 
I don't know. You're right. You can pull it up on Netflix. It is watchable. Right. <laughs> well, and that's, that's – that's, but we have watched some virtually unwatchable movies. That's true. And this one, where it's not good, I've definitely seen worse. And you said you were kind of bored with it. I wasn't really bored. It's only an hour and 20 minutes. It does seem a little bit longer than that, but mm. it's not that long. And I, I still, I, I'm, I'm standing by it. I think that D. Wallace puts in a good performance in a not very good movie. There you go. There are so many other Christmas horror movies that I enjoy so much, like Krampus and mm. Gremlins, and mm. you know, there, there are lots of good ones. Don't watch this one. Yeah, if you're only going to watch one or two, you know, watch one of those really good ones. But, you know, if you're a horror fan and you're looking for one that you haven't seen, it, it's it's not going to be the worst one. We've reviewed worse, even worse Christmas movies. That's true, too. <laughs> That's very true. All right, well, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, I, I can't imagine how you couldn't have <laughs> as insightful as we were on this amazing movie. <laughs> Thank you for sticking with us. And we have tons and tons uh, back episodes that you can check out. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. You can find our Facebook page. Uh, we're all over the place. You can't get rid of us. <laughs> and uh, if you have anything that you would like to talk to us about, about this movie or anything else, frankly, uh, you can always reach out to us on Facebook. We love hearing from you. We will be back for the next few weeks with more uh, Christmas horror fair we hope you are enjoying your holiday season and until next week i am craig and i'm todd with two guys in a chainsaw